0: welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and that produce disciples of Jesus Christ who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes and I'm Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. Today I'm joined by a friend, colleague, co-worker, Uh, Doc Hall. Doc, I'm going to let you, first, thank you for being here and being a part of this. I'm excited to have you, and the wisdom you're going to share with us, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So tell introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Doc Hall. I am the Director of Older Adult Spiritual Formation Programs at the Upper Room as one of the divisions of Discipleship Ministries, and my primary focus is working with any of our older adult programs or publications within the organization. So,
0: And someone who has an amazing voice, who I am <laughs> envious of and jealous of. And, and, and not only do you have a great voice, you're also a pastor, right? Yes, I am.
1: I pastor a uh, small two-church charge church just west of Nashville, uh, Greenwood United Methodist Church and Jackson Chapel United Methodist Church.
0: Yeah, wonderful. So you're active in ministry, active here at, at Upper Room. And as you might guess by Doc's title, we're going to talk about small groups as they relate with older adults. Yes. All right, so that's going to be the the topic for today. So let's let's jump right into right. it. Talk about some unique dynamics when it comes to small groups with and for older adults. Um, so let's just begin by uh, what's unique. What 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 is unique about having a group? And now let's let's back up, I guess, a little bit and acknowledge most United Methodist churches are are the the. If you look at our demographics, we're full of older adults. Happy to have them. Glad they're here. They've they've they are who we are. Yes. Right. And so a lot of churches, they, as they look at having small groups, one of the things they wrestle with is what I have are are, are older adults who may not drive at night or um, have a hard time getting out, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk. Let's help churches that are wrestling with that, or maybe it's maybe it's a larger church who's got a number of older adults as well. How do we help them have small groups? with and for older adults? What are some things we need to be considering to make those thrive and go well?
1: Yeah, the the logistics of older adult ministries is an interesting aspect of it. Um, one of the things that we really want to help our churches understand is that just because they have a, uh, a classroom in the back corner of the education wing where the older adults go on Sunday morning doesn't mean they have an older adult ministry. Um, <laughs> right. It's We need to engage these people in more yeah. than just Throwing them back in that back classroom. But some of the logistics, as you said, people that don't drive at night, maybe they need rides or maybe mm-hmm. a church bus can go and pick them up or having them during the day when they're available or certain times when they're available or even going to where they are. Yeah. That becomes very important, especially if you have a large retirement community in an area. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you have a uh, – most of our retirement uh, homes nowadays are, are – privately owned, True. and they'll have meeting spaces. there. going there and having something that's available for them where they don't necessarily have to leave to get to them. So, so let me, uh,
0: yeah. you sparked an idea. Let me kind of pause you there. because yeah. I think that's a really good idea is instead of always thinking about how can we hold this at the church, mm-hmm. I think it's always a good thing to how can we hold this in public, right? And if a retirement community or independent living would allow you that space, perhaps some of the other older adults who don't live there could also join you there. yes.
1: Yeah, right, that becomes that's... very, very good for people to be able to go to them. The uh, And one of the things we're also always amazed at is when you have a smaller group in an area like that, just like the church going and, and meeting in restaurants or having prayer groups, mm-hmm. you'll have people that aren't even involved with the church that will go, hey, y'all are looking like you're having fun. Can we join <laughs> in? So it's a great way of inviting more people into the group as well. Yeah. So those things work, work very well for that. Um, you'll always have some of your older adults that do drive and are very happy to drive anybody everywhere. So. Oh. So engaging them and being able to help to know where people are and where you're going to meet and what time to be there and such is always very good too.
0: Yeah. Plus, then it's not just the pastor doing it all, right? Exactly. You're, you're giving people an opportunity to help out and be a part of a part of the group. Yep.
1: Yeah. Some of the other logistics we had talked about before, uh, you and I, Scott, were the. Uh, You're going to have older adults with some hearing difficulties, and so making sure that they can hear what's going on, making sure you're not in a room with a lot of background noise because that's going to just deter from being able to hear things, Um, as well as making sure that all of them get a chance to talk. Because sometimes even if you have somebody that's not as engaged in the church or engaged in in the ministry as much, giving them – making sure they have the opportunity to say whatever's on their mind.
0: Yeah, yeah. So two points I want to lift up there. First with the hearing – If, if you happen to be the facilitator of the small group, you know, be watching, Right. you know, who's leaning in, whose eyes are squinting, who's touching their ears. Mm -hmm. I know I was preaching recently and on the front row on the right, this lady kept leaning in (laughs) and touching her ear. And that was my signal to, all right, I gotta, I gotta gotta speak up. (laughs) I gotta speak up. I was not blessed with a preacher's (laughs) voice or a voice like yours. So I had to be conscious of that, um, The second one, let's see if I can remember what that one was. Uh, What were we talking about there? talked
1: about making sure everyone gets to be involved and and engaged. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think this is where, especially with adults, one of the things they're willing to share is their life experience. Yes, very much so. And and leverage that, right? Mm -hmm. These are people with lots of life experience, and the less you can make this a lecture and the more you can bring them into the conversation, the better the the whole experience is going to be for Mm -hmm. everybody. So those are two really good points to be uh, mindful of is, is hearing and using their experience. Yes. Um, there's some others that, that we named earlier that I thought were really helpful. <clears throat> One of which was music. Yes. The use of music. I, I want you to say a little more about that because uh, I, I don't think that's something we commonly think about is how do I use music to help a small group Go well. So, say more about that and why that's important for older adults in particular.
1: Music is very near and dear to my heart. I'm also yeah. a singer, so uh, trained it's a, trained in opera, uh, right? Trained in opera, yes. So, wow, that's um, awesome. but it's I don't use it as much as I used to, but I wish I could. But uh, music with our older adults becomes very, very important. Not right. only in in just drawing them in and helping them to feel comfortable in the situation, it's music that they know a lot of mm. times, especially when we get to people that have been in church all their lives, and you start working with the older hymns. It just mm makes them feel at home very quickly and they can be engaged very easily. But especially when we get into, as we were talking about, like with dementia, people who have even early stages of dementia or advanced dementia, such as Alzheimer's and such, uh, music becomes a huge important Tool to be used. Yeah. We were talking earlier that some studies have shown that having someone being able to listen to the music that they relate to while they're eating mm. actually helps them eat better, digest better. They get better nutrition. Uh, wow. You know, down to that aspect, but also just engaging people. The mm. you'll I had mentioned earlier a, a friend of mine who. Had a mother that was in a local nursing home, and she was very much an Alzheimer patient and mm-hmm. had gotten to the point of not being able to talk or even you know, smile mm-hmm. or, or anything. But as soon as someone started playing a hymn on the local piano, she would sing. She had wow. been a choir director in her church all her life. And so she immediately connected with the music and was able to join in yeah. with what was going on. So music becomes a very, very important tool, especially in small groups and older adults.
0: Well, it taps into part of their brain that's perhaps not immediately active. Right. And the more we can tap into those parts of the brain that are sort of sub- subconscious and all that, mm. we won't get into psychology. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but that neuroscience of, you know, when we engage people at that level— now they're more willing and ready to engage, mm-hmm. right?
1: The the engaging and getting people to, to connect. That's mm-hmm. most of our, especially dementia patients, just disconnect. They feel they're in their own world. So music is, really helps them connect. And not only music. And another one we talked about was humor.
0: Humor, yeah, uh, cool. I was
1: reading just this morning in ARP magazine an article about uh, people that were former comedians going in and developing relationships with people and people who were not communicative or even smiling mm. would. Laugh and and joke. I mean, out loud with people and say things that they hadn't said in the longest time um, about uh, sharing with someone in a, a manner that was not common to the where they were. So humor, music, these are all big connections that go deeper than just the conscious yeah. um, sharing that we do.
0: So. Yeah, and it sounds like a good place for bad dad jokes <laughs> That's as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right, any, any excuse I get for a bad dad joke works, right? I mean, even if I'm the only one laughing. But the, the more we can allow people to have that time where they're together. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk one more uh, dynamic before we talk more about that, and that is the use of visuals. I know a couple episodes for our, our listeners, we interviewed Nancy Goings at Faith uh, Visual Faith Project. Pro- Visual Faith Project. The use of visuals can also tap into our brains, again, also drawing that nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's a, a picture, for, you know, not from today, but of 50, 60 years ago, mm-hmm. and help them engage that way as well. Um, so let's transition then and talk—I want to focus a little more time on uh, what one of our past interviewers, James K.A. Smith, identified as a major issue that he felt the Church can address, and that's social isolation,
1: yeah the the our older adults do that. I was uh Scott and I were talking earlier about uh my mother who feels mm-hmm. like she's just kind of off on her own and mm-hmm. and nobody gets there to see her much anymore. We do isolate and tend to to forget that these people need some type of connection, but because of either physical abilities or medical or something that's going on, they're not able to really get out and be right. involved with people that much uh, I applaud. Uh, anyone that works in our older adult medical fields um, and the Mm -hmm. way that they work with people and and are there in a relationship capacity. But even then, they may only get two or three minutes a day with them. And so the social interaction becomes very, very important. And that's another way that small groups help a lot, being able to go to these people, Mm -hmm. especially that are in these nursing home, retirement homes, uh, places such as this that feel like the world really can't be with them. Uh, we Again, Scott and I were talking earlier about a a news piece that I saw with Channel 9 in Chicago about uh, a robot that they had to spend time with people who were dementia patients or in nursing homes. And I I immediately thought that just disturbs me on so many levels because we are are such an electronic society and many of our older adults may – that may help – a little bit, but I'm really concerned about the relationship side. I can't have a relationship with my cell phone. Um, people think I can, but I can't. Um, and so, you not a healthy one. Not a healthy one, exactly. And so, yeah, being yeah. able to have another human being there to interact and talk yeah. and share uh, becomes hugely important.
0: Yeah. Uh, and well, go ahead. I would say which goes to how we were created. Right? Yes. I mean, we were made yeah. in the image of God. We were made. With the need and desire for relationships. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's not something we should export to televisions. Right, yeah. To nurse bots. To, this is one of our primary roles as human beings and what God has gifted us to do is to be in we're not whole without that.
1: Yes, people say that you know we're letting television babysit our youth, well we're also letting television babysit our older adults as well. Mm. And that's just not really that healthy for us mm. in the long run.
0: No, so. it's not at all. And
1: emotionally or physically.
0: Yeah, and so. it's one of the gifts we have as the church. Amen. is is relationships that we can offer. Mm. But it's also one of the gifts we have as the church is intergenerational. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, hopefully, I know some churches are are better at that than others, and sometimes that's just kind of who we have and who is willing to show up. I get that. But hopefully we have at least the opportunity to be intentionally intergenerational at, at several points, one of which is just worship. Yes. And, and and how do we leverage that, right, to make sure older adults are engaged in that as well?
1: My father was also a trained opera singer
0: okay. and was
1: into classical music, and watching him go into a service with a youth praise band that was leading and the smile that came on his face, Mm. Um, being able to be engaged at that level. And also, as we shared before about, uh, I call it a mutual mentorship. Um, Our our youth and young adults are craving relationships with people that can share with Mm. them the knowledge and experiences. They don't want to be preached at in a large group. They want to gain this through relationship. Our older adults have that. Yeah, but also our older adults can learn a lot from our young adults and youth, right. and and how to continue being active, and how to laugh, and how to enjoy, and how to be together, and and really focus on being in relationship so much. Our older adults think they don't need to focus on relationship; they've done that all their lives, right. uh, but they really do. And yeah. so our young adults can help them with that. So the right. mutual mentorship of going both directions and intergeneration is very important.
0: It is. I mean, I think everybody deserves. Well, I, I heard it this way: every child deserves. So- to have someone other than their parent think they hung the moon, exactly, right? And, I, and again, I think the church can can be that right. It has have those opportunities intergenerationally, uh, and which brings up you know one of the things we often don't think about in terms of inter, uh, small groups is having intentionally intergenerational groups, mm-hmm. and that can be that can be difficult work, and that's probably an episode all to itself, yeah, uh, because it can be a challenge because most people what's the saying? Birds of a feather flock together, <laughs> right? We're more comfortable with those in our life stage and yes. we need that time. Mm-hmm. And I think we also need those intergenerational times to learn from those who've gone before. And we also need to learn, especially in this day and age, from those who are younger than us.
1: Yes. And, and one of the things that's really interesting as well is, is uh, the same things that our youth are feeling our older adults are feeling too. Mm. Um, we have mm. a, a fantastic book in the upper room it's by Missy Buchanan called Living with Purpose in a Worn Out Body. Okay. And a side thing that came from this, Missy and I were at an event and a youth director came up to us and said I love this book. I use this book as a study with my youth group. Mm. And these kids are looking at this going, wow, these people are going through the same things we are. People don't think our opinion matters. Aww. They don't think we have anything to give. We don't have anything to offer. And then they took the youth group and met with a bunch of the older adults in the church and shared what they had read together in the book. And so we're wanting to develop that far, further into a, yeah. a more intentional generational study. But just fascinated that that grew organically. That wasn't something something that was planned. Yeah. Um, and so, but seeing these kids saying, wow, they're just like us, uh, uh, was really interesting.
0: So. And it's sad we don't recognize that, right? Yes. But it, it takes uh, happenstance for yes. that to occur. When, <laughs> yeah. when, when, when we know we're all human, mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know, we all have a human condition. Yes. We are all in need of grace. We're all in need of each other. Amen. Um, and so we, we need those times to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what else do we need to talk? What else do we need to think about in terms of small groups with older adults that we haven't hit on yet? I'm looking back over our list here, and I think we've we've hit a lot of them. Anything else that, that sticks out to you that uh, we need to consider with uh, older adults?
1: Well, the 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 important thing is, as you mentioned before, the the wisdom and the experience that many of our older adults have. Um, they want that to be able to be used. Um, They desire to be needed. We have, uh, you know, many older adults are saying, you know, I thought God was done with me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you know, it's just they they can't be involved. Um, I have a firm belief that all of us have our ministry, um, no matter Mm -hmm. what it is. Uh, My father for years went down and answered the telephones at an Alcoholics Anonymous office mm-hmm. when he couldn't do anything else. Um, he was in a wheelchair and couldn't, re- but he answered those phones. That was his ministry each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people that, that spend their days knitting uh, baby blankets for babies that are born in their congregation, that is, and they're praying over it as they're knitting them. It's some, some type of ministry. We all have a ministry, no matter how old we are, no matter how feeble we may be. There's mm-hmm. something we all can do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I'll probably explain this before on the podcast at some point. At least I imagine I have. And that is C.S. Lewis's phrase, the dignity of causality. Yes. Like that's something we all crave. I mean, it's sort of, to me, it's a little better way of saying um, a life with purpose. Yes. Right. That yeah. what we do matters. And <clears throat> I think sometimes we have to intentionally point out to people what you're doing matters. hmm. Right, If you're just showing up, I say just, if you're there at VBS, (laughs) I shouldn't use the word just there. That's right. Uh, If you're at VBS and you're helping put the snacks together, right? You're an important part of what's going on there. Especially if you can take that beyond (laughs) the making of the snack, but also smiling at the kids, asking the kids how they're doing. And maybe even it means having a small group of older adults who meet just to meet.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Developing relationships in the midst of it is what yeah. is so important, and, you, and we've talked about this many times, is we, we are meant to be in relationship, and developing those relationships happens in smaller groups yeah. more so than it does even in, in bigger Absolutely. worship and things such as that of coming together, sharing some things together, sharing what's going on in our lives, sharing our struggles, yeah. our joys, um, and all of those things become very, very important. Uh, we, we need those relationships to continue forward.
0: I know one of the other things you said that that struck me. I think we do need to talk about at least briefly is oftentimes we we can make the assumption older adults have it all together, right? Like they they're not in a place to grow, right? That old stupid cliche: old dogs can't learn new tricks. Right. And of course, we've all sort of experienced some older people who can be stubborn. And and guess what? I've met younger people who can be just as stubborn, <laughs> probably more so. But uh <laughs> um. And so let's talk for a minute about what might it look like to help older adults be intentional about their discipleship and growing.
1: Yeah, we, we, we tend to a lot of times get into the mode of maintaining their spiritual mm. uh, stance rather than growing it. Um, we all can continue to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember someone telling me many years ago, the day I stopped learning is the day I start dying. Yeah. So if we can continue to learn, continue to grow in our faith and our understanding and our belief, and that, again, we talk about relationship between older adults and younger adults, but also that relationship with Jesus Christ yeah. and how do we grow in that? How do we Continue to to feel the trust and the mutual relationship in that. I have lots of older adults that don't know how to pray. Mm. You know, just helping them understand that prayer is not all talking; that it needs to be some listening. Amen. And uh, and and different things such as that. So finding what your group talking to talking with them about what they struggle with still, yeah. and and finding that need, you're going to find that they'll have they'll be quick to help you find the things that would help them continue in their walk. Yeah. So it's it's very, very important to do that. One of the things I also was thinking about when we were talking a minute ago, we talked about continuing to to have that ministry. You can have that group ministry. Mm. Um, so many times we see people that, that are older adults. I know there's a, a group of older adults that build little wooden toys to give to homeless kids. Um, I've seen this about about a a group in Florida. Um, Coming together and finding that purpose of doing ministry to your community as a small group Mm. um, can also be a huge importance. And whether you're physically active or you're not physically active. We have that wide range of older adults now in our society of some that are are wheelchair-bound or scooter-bound and some that are immensely active and still are out and about and doing and being every day. Um, Finding that purpose for them, and even in a small group, to find the ways to do that together and build those relationships in that as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's where some of our Wesleyan distinctives can come out in terms of how we do a small group with older adults is helping them to see, you know, part of your discipleship is compassion, Mm -hmm. doing acts of compassion or or even acts of justice, Mm -hmm. right? They certainly can make phone calls um, to representatives. Um, They can also um, learn about prayer, learn to grow. We can always learn to grow deeper in our prayer life. Mm -hmm. Um, And if if they're able, either through reading Scripture or auditory Ways of hearing Scripture, growing in their knowledge of Scripture, um, become ways they can learn to to love God and, and finding ways they can be in worship. But I also don't think we should make the assumption older adults cannot use technology. Oh, yeah. But I think that's another assumption that people make. I was amazed, and this has probably been five or six years ago, the number of older adults I learned who had iPhones.
1: Oh, yeah. A lot of us had to learn how to use them in order to keep in touch with our kids and our grandkids. Yeah, but but also, exactly. if you're looking at our... And you know, this is kind of one of those words we don't use a lot, is boomers. And yeah. the boomers that are retiring, well, the boomers were the ones that were on the cutting edge of technology being born. Mm. And so these are the people that are retiring now. These people yeah. that have been very active in, in using electronic mediums um, in their work. If you're retiring today, if you're not in the middle of, re- of electronic stuff, you're lost. Yeah. And so even... I I mean, my mother, is 85 years old and in a nursing home. Still, she can't let her cell phone get far from her side because she's waiting <laughs> to hear from her grandchildren, great-grandchildren. So, right. yeah, the technology becomes very important. Um, email addresses, uh, we're finding that usually about 85 percent of mm. even our oldest older adults have email addresses. Interesting. So, using electronic means, they may need a little help with it a little bit from time to time, you know. Yeah.
0: But which can be a great place to start. Exactly is do some reverse mentoring, having teenagers introduce Facetime, et cetera. They're
1: also to to revert back to something we talked about earlier. They're the ones that understand how to put music on an iPod, uh, uh,
0: and helping yeah. to build
1: your music list. Get some youth to help with that.
0: So. Yeah, great ways. Just, again. Use it as a starting point to build relationships, exactly. and then see where it goes organically. See what happens, where then we can introduce some other elements of discipleship into that. Yes. Uh, I think there's, I think what we've we've heard is there's lots of opportunities here.
1: Lots and lots of opportunities.
0: You know, it's imagine imagine of being creative, seeing what we have, and and working with it. I think the one takeaway that I'll, I'll take away from this conversation is, and I want to make sure our our listeners hear this. They've probably heard it many times before. That small groups does not always equal Bible study. Right. And that Bible study is not always equal to discipleship. Exactly. Sometimes it's just more knowledge, right, which, which may or may not help. <clears throat> but it is a work of the kingdom. It is a transformational work that happens in relationship. Yes. That in those relationships, we, we can, you know, as I guess this proverb says, iron sharpens iron, right? We begin to learn from one another and, and love one another and have opportunities to love one another. Um, so that, that is good small group work. Yeah. So any last thoughts? Anything else you want to lift up before we wrap this up?
1: Well the one of the things that we we've talked about before and where I originally came into the upper room, uh was working with a program called Face to Face. Mm-hmm. Um Face to Face is our older adult ministry that's in the Emmaus tradition, the walk to Emmaus tradition. Uh we we run this through our Emmaus communities okay. but it's it's changed the walk to Emmaus to where there's no overnight stays and it's very portable. It can be taken gotcha. again to where the pilgrims are and, and can be used in those those settings. So it's it's very much um Like A Walk to Emmaus, it still has the devotions and the the same talks. So We've changed around a few of the talks, not much. But but we found that our focus is really on end-of-life issues and grief issues Mm. um, with helping us to begin to focus on those things because many of us don't want to focus and haven't focused on that, (laughs) Um, and especially the grief issues. Um, We have people that are carrying around grief from the Korean War, um, that they have never really dealt with and it helps them to deal with it. Um, but also just being able to bring people together and again understand that God's not done with me. Mm-hmm. Um, God yeah. still has work for me to do yeah. and, and and they say repeatedly, I can't wait to go back and get involved again where maybe mm-hmm. they've dropped off. Um, if you are around somewhere, you know someone that maybe is in a walk to Emmaus community you can ask them about face-to-face. Not all of our Emmaus communities are doing it yet, but uh, many of them are. So if they're not, you can tell them to give me a call. I'll be happy to share with them. Uh, again, my name is Doc Hall. D Hall at upperroom.org dot org is my email address. Okay, and uh, I'd be happy to talk with anybody about what the program entails. So, yeah, great but, way
0: of uh, discipleship in a different arena.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah it helps people to really uh, re understand, reimagine, re experience the grace of Jesus Christ, mm. and to really find that again when many of us kind of walk along, just kind of knowing it's there and we take it for granted granted. and so this is a way of of experiencing it all over again being intentional about
0: growing discipleship I love it yeah that's great you've given an email address any other ways people can reach out to you are you on Twitter are you a Twitter person
1: I am on Twitter uh, not much but uh, Facebook more than uh, Twitter and it's Pastor Doc on Facebook that's kind of the name I I go by but also my office um, I'm here at the upper room you can call the upper room switchboard or my direct number is 615-340-7288 okay so uh, I'm I'm happy to talk with people. Uh, anytime I get a chance to talk about how I can help with older adults, I'm more than happy to do that.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll have that information on our on our website. So thank you again, Doug. This has been been very helpful. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will like it, and I hope they reach out to you. Um, so as as we close every episode, I want to invite you to be as interactive as possible with us. You can find me on Twitter at UMC Adult Form. That's United Methodist Church Adult Formation is what that stands for. And also at Rev Scott's tweets, you can find me there. You can find more information on our website, umcdiscipleship.org. And I hope you'll send your comments, suggestions for future episodes. And we look forward to being in ministry together. Until next time, peace. Small Groups in the
1: Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.